Welcome back, Rage Nation. Definitely not PR friends. Myself, Pete. He needs to stop, like, fucking getting cute with these kicks. John the Mountain Man Stokes. You're not putting them on my models, motherfucker. Chris the non-tech Asian. Put the tape measure up and get some wages. You, yeah, no, you really frustrated me. You walked away and you came back and your scalpel had been thrown across the room. <laughs> I'm just here so I don't get fined. I will will share with you my one rage quit story. Dude, I'm a robot and I don't have a solo across now eight. This is going to be a really great opportunity for everybody to see how you effed up. Welcome back, Rage Nation. We got the boys back together, but we got some different boys. So we got myself, Pete, back again. And this time we have some local guys. We have some Charlestonians. We have two of my good friends. We have Nick and Russ. And we're going to be talking to them today about something definitely different. We're going to be talking about a little bit of EDH in the magic world. I know this is not something that we have done yet on the Rage Quit Wire, but it's definitely something that I think every nerd can definitely relate to. So boys, how are you doing today? Doing really good, Pete. Yeah, doing good. Yeah, and Nick, you and me, actually, we did a mini kind of podcast with Oaths and Emblems when we did a bunch of Oathbreaker stuff. Yeah, we did. Um, yeah, Oathbreaker. That was a nice little short-lived format in the in Charleston. I think it still has some following, but it pretty much dropped off. So we kind of just stopped playing the game and stopped recording the content. But Russ yeah, and I, I are back now. I think unless you're uh, in that, I think they, they're like based out of Minnesota. So I'm, I think I'm, that's probably the only area where people are pretty much still playing Oathbreaker. Right. On a regular basis, I would imagine. Yeah. So what we're doing today, guys, is we're going to talk a little bit about EDH, but specifically you guys actually just started a podcast and we'll get into that here in a little bit, talking more about what you guys are trying to do with that. But before we get into the meat of our discussion today, I want to remind everybody to make sure that you are supporting the podcast. Uh, We are definitely going to begrudgingly stay on the Facebook uh, all of my activity now on Facebook is just pure podcast. I'm kind of done with the nonsense. Uh, that being said, I am trying to devote most of my nerd talking time to Discord. And good news is we actually just opened the Discord channel up to everybody. So uh, I'm going to put the invite code in the uh, or a link in the show notes. That way you guys can go ahead and access that if you want. Uh, we're trying to get it more active. I've been talking a lot, a lot about our Dark Horse series that we've been doing for Malifo uh, recently. So that's been kind of cool to see in the chat. Uh, make sure that you're also checking us out on Twitter. We got an Instagram page and we even got ragequitwire.com where we throw up articles about every week. We'll put a new one up. There's probably a new one going to go up tomorrow. Uh, so make sure that you guys are checking that out. And then finally, if you guys want to support the podcast directly, make sure that you guys are checking us out at patreon.com slash ragequitwire. And you can become a patron for as little as a dollar. So anything helps to, you know, keep these lights on and, you know, use all these cool tools that we use to, uh, yeah, talk on this old podcast. You can be one of the dozens of listeners for the Rage Quit Wire. So we are going to talk about EDH. And if you don't know what that is, which if you click to listen to this, you know, episode, you know, EDH is Commander. It's the casual format for Magic the Gathering. It's singleton format, and basically you pick your colors by whatever your commander identifies as, and that's what you build your deck around. So the first thing I want to do, though, is we are going to talk specifically about the podcast that you and Russ are running, Nick. So do you just want to give us a quick intro of what you guys are trying to do? What's your podcast all about? 
Uh, Russ and I got to talking, I don't know, maybe about four or five months ago. Uh, you and I started playing Magic. We got Russ into playing Magic again. So all that nice nerd money going to, to Magic in addition to minis. And one of the things I noticed was Russ couldn't build a deck to save his life. I think <laughs> at one point he had, what did you say, Russ, five decks in progress at one time? Yep, it's down. <laughs> so what, what, what I do is the opposite. I build probably two to four decks a month. So... My message to Russ was, hey, I, I'll build a deck for you to play, build it, get it all set up, hand it over to you. And then from there, you just take it and you can kind of tinker with it. And that's where we came up with the build and tinker uh, name for the podcast. Because the idea being that I will build a deck, we pick a theme, we pick a commander, I build it. I have been uh, live streaming or putting up on YouTube the builds after I, I build them, kind of talk through the strategy there. And then we spend a couple of episodes talking about the deck, the strategy, we play them. And then Russ takes them and tinkers with them. And then we talk about kind of what worked, what didn't work. And all of this, the goal is to not go spend a lot of money. It's really just to take the cards we have and get something on the table. And I think that's the most important thing with any game is playing the game, getting it on the table. We, we joke a lot how much money we spend buying all this stuff. And if you don't use it, none of it really matters. So that's a big part of why I wanted to start the podcast and get really get Russ playing with some cards on the table there. Yeah, so Russ, I was going to ask you, what... How do you feel kind of like jumping into this podcast? Because I know you haven't put out like content like that before. So, I mean, what is what what do you like about this podcast that you and Nick started up? Well, it's really a continuation of the conversations that Nick and I have around our decks and around cards that we find. So I really, I'm really enjoying the podcast because it's like having a conversation with Nick. We talk about cards and we talk about decks on a regular basis. Um, Nick likes to build all those decks, but he doesn't like to keep them together. And <laughs> I try to hold That's on true. like there's no tomorrow to any deck, no matter how bad it is. So this is kind of a great opportunity for Nick to use those, you know, use his deck building skills and let me play with it and mess with it. And uh, so it's been really fun. It's, it's, you know, a new thing to do to talk about these decks and share them with, uh, with everybody out there. Yeah. And I think one of the things I really like about the podcast, cause I've definitely listened to all of them so far and even checked out the live stream kind of building of the deck process is I think for, for anybody who struggles to build a deck or anybody who struggles to, you know, find a way to to build a deck that wins or to that does a thing. I think that there can definitely be more podcasts out there that talk about the thought process of that. I feel like a lot of podcasts and YouTube channels focus on um, the strong things and then the obvious cards. Like they, I mean, there's staples to Commander. There's cards that, you know, you can throw in every, you know, landfall deck there's one where you can throw cards into every graveyard deck but what i like that you guys are doing is you're actually kind of just looking at like hey we have this collection of cards let's build a deck out of it right and that's something that i really believe in i'm i'm not a huge net decker for anything for either games or really miniatures magic anything i play i really like to try to figure it out and actually today i was playing a game and my son was like why don't you just look up online what the best one to do is i was like well because that's you know what's the fun in that right i'm gonna i'm gonna if i lose this item i lose the item but it's gonna be kind of that challenge there and that's really how i approach it with magic as well is i find a commander it looks fun i find some cards the cards may or may not work and we kind of go with it and that's really what it comes down to is just it's more important to get the cards on the table than to build that perfect deck and people tend to wait a lot of times so they have all the cards or they buy all the cards or they, or they net deck and suddenly you're six hundred dollars in 
Because if you haven't bought a Magic deck, these Commander decks can get upwards of five hundred thousand, two thousand dollars, especially yeah. when you get a CEDH, right? Um, and it's it, it can get expensive, or you can build a fifty dollar deck and win and have fun, and that's kind yeah. of the point. Yeah, I was gonna say, even like you can build a deck for twenty five, even twenty five bucks. I mean, um, there's there's a couple of budget you know podcasts and stuff out there that that are built around that, and yeah, I mean, obviously the flashier cards, the more expensive cards, they're gonna know win but you can have whatever you have around you and still win a good commander game out of it as long as it functions and i think that's something that you guys do that's really cool is you actually talk about okay how is this deck going to work how are we going to build around the deck so that's definitely something um that's been cool to see you guys do looking at it you guys have kind of your theme the idea is to build and tinker it how many episodes are you guys in so far I think we're going to record number eight tomorrow. So how many decks have you guys built and, and talked about so far? This will be the third deck, Nick. We're on the third one now. We're currently on the third deck, right? So first one was a mono red burn deck, quick and easy type of thing. And then we did a token deck. Now we're doing a, I think a, kind of a flexible commander. That was, that's one of the themes we're talking about right now is you get a card, you can build it, you know, 10 different ways. How do you pick a way and how do you settle on it? And, you know, that it was kind of fun talking to Russ about that because I think that's one of the things he struggled with was, ooh, I need these five cards and I need these five cards and these five cards. Like, well, you don't have a theme to your deck. You're doing a little bit of everything and mm -hmm. maybe you're doing all of nothing. Yeah, you gotta um, be focused and, sometimes. Right. So we've had that conversation. I think it's going really well. It's kind of, I think we're kind of taking this sort of like the pre-con dilemma when you have that pre-constructed deck and it has so many different directions that's built into it. So I, I think we're having a really good time with this deck figuring out the directions and how what to do with it so i'm you know I, i'm enjoying it i'm learning as we go in our own podcast as you guys are kind of building these decks how do you guys decide which commanders you're going to build a deck around like how do you i mean obviously there's like hundreds of commanders out there if not thousands now so i mean how do you choose like how have you guys decided to settle down on building a deck around a specific commander so the first deck we chose because it was a deck that I wanted to build and Nick was going to basically show me how to build that deck. <laughs> so you were like, I want to build this. I just don't know where to go. <laughs> right. Right. And then after that, Nick and I have been kind of looking at less popular commanders or newer commanders. Um, the deck we're working on right now is actually an uncommon from the brand new set Strixhaven, Killian okay. the Ink Duelist. Yeah, and he the, when you guys said you were building a deck around that, I looked at it and I'm like, this is like really simple. Like you look at the commander and there's not a lot going on there initially, but there, you guys talked how there's kind of an interesting two ways you could go with that commander. And I like how you guys discussed that because you want to focus on one. You don't want to like split it into two or three different directions, right? Right, and that's something that we approach. It's kind of every... every I'll say theme or month, we kind of do four episodes on a deck. So the first episode in a given theme is talking about what is the theme? How does it work? So we did tokens. We did a token episode. We did before we did the building the deck episode, we talked about some commanders can have multiple build paths and why you want to focus. And if you go one way or the other way, you know, maybe it's two cards you take out, but in some cases you take out 30 cards and that's a third of the deck. And then we build the deck and talk about it. Then we talk about 
something kind of like in the middle there, right? So what have we learned in the meantime of building it and playing it and how would a different deck go? If you do build multiple strategies, how do you want to do that? And then the last episode is the tinkering. So mm. we close out with Russ. And the question I always leave to Russ is invest, keep, or scrap. So the idea there being is for this deck, do we keep it together and just kind of play it as we want to? Are you going to go buy cards for it? Or was it not fun and we scrapped it? And so far, I think we've invested one deck and scrapped another. So we'll see where Killian comes out at. Which one is the one you scrapped? Uh, the token deck. The Ikra, just... Shadik, and Prava. Why did you guys decide to get rid of that one? Well, so after the first deck, we moved to using just Nick's collection. Mm-hmm. And so Nick has multiple token decks and it just wasn't doing anything more interesting than the decks you already have. Right. Well, I think that was kind of the problem that we saw, cause I, I'll, I'll be frank about this. I mean, obviously I play EDH with you guys, so I'm kind of like helping you guys play test these decks. Right. And the deck was like consistent and it actually was pretty, it bounced back pretty well from like board wipes and stuff. It, it kind of seemed boring to play, though. I don't know if you guys got that impression. Uh, what so, do you think, Russ? <laughs> so the word I used was exhausting. <laughs> okay. Because that deck just kept going and going and going, and it felt like games would never end playing it because it just recovered so well. It didn't give um, any of my opponents the opportunity to win quickly or me the opportunity to win quickly. Yeah. Yeah, so right. people kept just picking picking you apart but then you'd come back and then they pick you apart again and then you'd come back yeah i can we've had those games well one of them was five hours long i think and that yeah. was a couple of control decks and yeah. this deck but you know that deck was not just tokens and going wide and coming back but it was life gain so even if somebody hits you for 20 life and wiped your board you just gained another 30 life in two turns and you're back up where you were and and that was one of the reasons we looked at and we're like this is it's good. It's just not fun. And, and that yeah. is something I'm a big proponent of for, for magic is if it's not fun, stop playing it, you know? And I would say not just fun for you, but fun for the pod, because uh, for those not familiar with EDH, it is multiplayer. So it is typically you want a pot of four people. And that means that you're not just the only one at the table. Right. And it's never competitive because it's four players. There's a lot of politicking that goes, gets involved and a lot of times, if you just play your own game and don't interact at all, it's a boring table. It's it's like school. I mean, yeah. it's not. Well, I, I was going to say, I mean, obviously, this is mainly a tabletop podcast. And I think when you play a game, especially like if I go to play a game of Malifaux or, you know, Russ and I play a Song of Ice and Fire or something, or when we play Magic, there's almost a social contract where it's like we're all sitting here and we all want to have fun, right? Right. That's the like you can you you can obviously like sway that like if you get competitive obviously that goes a little bit out the window, but generally speaking, when you sit down with somebody in a casual format, especially like EDH is, it, it there's a contract where it's like, hey, we both want to see something cool happen. We both want some fun, and if I win, cool. But fun is the the most important part, and obviously people don't associate that always with you know the rage quit wire because. We're not always rational. Even I'll even <laughs> say when we play EDH, I don't know if you guys will will say this, and you can if you want. You can bash on me. I don't care. But sometimes I am definitely not rational when we're playing. Like if I get messed with, I'm like, all right, that's it. We're done here. I'm coming at you. Yep, you pull out the book of grudges. I do. I think I've said that to uh, our buddy Markel a couple times. Where I'm like, if you do this, I will never save you again. <laughs> 
Well, and that's, and that's what makes it fun, right? Is that building, it, it's just that idea of you can carry it from game to game. A lot of times we do carry our attitudes, I'll say, and our grudges throughout the night. A lot of times the next game is like, why'd you do that? Well, you, you know, you kill my thing last game. I'm not going to let you win this one. But it's kind of fun. And maybe a couple of weeks we do the same thing. You know, it's like, hey, remember, you played that deck two weeks ago. I know what's going to happen. I'm going to shut that thing down the minute I can. Uh, but it, it's a conversation we have, and I, we have had those conversations as a group, which I think is very important as a pod to talk about what are we going to do? What are, what are we here for? Are we here to try hard and win all the time? Or are we just hanging out and having fun? And I, I know you and I have had a discussion for miniatures as well of like, you know, you don't want to show up to your weekly game, you know, at your LGS or at a friend's house and just get murdered every night by the yep. top player there because they're better than you. It's like, well, you know, you and I, you, you taught me Gilball and uh, Malifaux. And I, you could easily destroy me in like three turns every single time. But you're like, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to do this. You know, let's see how it goes. I'm going to set it to a four and let's have some fun. And yeah. it was fun. Yeah, I think that's definitely important. And I mean, I will say this, that I like that you guys take that into account when you're building your decks. That's kind of why we're talking about this, because it would be really, I mean, and honestly, if you guys, let's, because I just... On, on my computer, I got pulled up the top 100 commanders of the last two years. It's kind of an interesting list that I've been looking at. And not going to lie, I've built a, a few of these commanders. <laughs> but I will say this, you know, if you guys built an Atraxa deck or if you guys built Moldrotha or Kenrith or Ed Edgar, you know, if you guys built those decks, that's been done plenty of times. People have found the combos. People have smashed face with them. And I like how you guys are picking ones that are interesting to you or one where you're like, hey, this is kind of cool, especially with the newer sets. And then you're not going to break the bank and to smash face. You're looking at, okay, what's something that would be really fun and interesting for the deck to do? And that's that's awesome that you took your podcast that way. Right. And then when we're tinkering it, we do add like a little section of, you know, this is the dream card. You know, if you have this you know, $20 card or $30 card sitting in your collection, then maybe it's going to be great in this deck. But we want the deck to function without four or five of those really expensive cards. Yeah. Yeah. I'm looking at a lot of these top 100 commanders and I'm like, man, I think I've built like 30 of these. <laughs> well, and that's what's, but I would say you've built them and then you take them apart, right? Because yeah. you're like, hey, okay, I did it. I understand why this is a top 100. Yeah. It's not, it's, it's not fun after the fifth time of winning I, I tend to do that a lot of times with decks of hey cool i did the thing i'm done with the deck I, I i did this win con one time if i do it five more times i'm pretty much not challenging anybody i'm just kind of doing the yeah. same thing well i think it's 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 almost more interesting to find a commander that can play differently or interesting enough where you can keep it I think some good examples of cards that have done that for me is I've, I've built a Grenzo deck and I, I feel like that Grenzo deck plays, it can play very differently depending on how it goes and it causes some chaos. I just built um, a Vile Smasher deck that it, it was better than that Valky deck that I built because the Valky deck almost was kind of mean, whereas the Vile Smasher deck is just kind of random and fun and I feel like I could bust that out anytime. And uh, honestly... I'm a Rakdos guy, so anytime that you know I can find a cool Rakdos deck, I'm probably keeping it. That's what I like about playgroups is that Vile Smasher you have was my card, right? Yep. I think I pulled it and I built a Your deck fault. with it, and I was like, I don't like this. It's not my play style. I set it aside for you. We traded 
you know, a bunch of cards back and forth. And, you know, I, I think I got one card. You got like 30 because you had a very expensive card I wanted because yep. I do a lot of counter decks and it was a counter card. I was like, okay, cool. You pulled it. So that's some of the value you have. And you don't see that a lot with, with minis. I think you, you don't tend to trade a lot. What you can do is yeah. play each other's factions. But I think that's a fun part of magic is you can trade and talk about cards and, Ooh, I want that card. Ooh, I wish I had that. And then honestly, I'm kind of addicted to opening packs and kind of got <laughs> rest addicted to that too. Yeah. You guys are, you guys are enabling each other. We are enablers for sure. But, you know, one thing I really have enjoyed about stepping into magic out of minis is, you know, deck crafting is a lot like list building, yeah. but with deck crafting, you can go, you know, I want to play the suboptimal thing. I don't want to play the, you know, the best build and still have a lot of fun. Whereas yeah. sometimes in minis, if you don't have the best build, it's really difficult. Yeah. And that's just like, um, I just built that elder dragon, the, the black white one. I can't, the slither wisp or whatever the, whatever it's called, you know, silver yeah. quill. There we go. Whatever the hell it's right. You guys are the magic podcasters. You should know that. But anyways, it's a political deck or a group hug deck. It's kind of weird. Like, it almost just enables the table. It doesn't, it can win, but it almost just accidentally wins. And I'm kind of, I kind of like it better than that super powerful token deck that I just built, that Essex deck. That Essex decks, I, I kind of, I kind of did what you guys don't do, right? I, I actually built that and I, I kept most of the pre-con together. I took some stuff that the command zone recommended and then a few pet cards that I like. And the cards that the command zone recommended, I think made it too powerful. Like Avenger Zendikar just shouldn't be in that deck. That That's like just, there's almost no way to stop that deck from winning once it hits the table. Even a board wipe, the, there's so many ways you can flex out of that. And it, it's a flexible deck and it's a powerful deck. And I almost am ready to honestly already tear it apart because I'm like, I've seen what it does. Sure, it, it can win, but okay. I don't yeah. know what you guys think about the deck. I don't think, I think it's interesting to play, but the end is going to play out the same, which is boring right. to me. I kind of liked how you killed us all with my deck. So, you know, that was kind of fun with Essex. Oh, you're talking about, you're talking <laughs> about when I copied the Scarecrows and the yeah. Reaper King and then killed Nick's thing that was going to try to save the day? Yep, that was all the fun. <laughs> yeah, see, so that's interesting, but... It, the end result is usually the same with that deck. I've played it about five or six times now, and it seems to be the same. Right. And that, that is probably one of the reasons why I do have 20 decks. Um, it's why I owned, you know, five or six Guild Ball factions. It's, yeah. I, I took that mentality, I think, with uh, minis. And I don't know if minis is more expensive than Magic or not. I, I haven't decided yet which one is more short, expensive. Short so anybody that has done both knows. So... Minis will be a bigger short-term investment. Like it's it's very heavy on the front end, right? Right. I spent a lot of money getting into Malifaux. I think I spent 600 bucks getting into Malifaux the first right. year. Now I haven't bought a box probably since maybe January. Whereas Magic, I've spent way more than that <laughs> over the last three years playing, getting back into EDH. Right. And, that's, and that was one of the reasons why I've, with uh, X-Wing, I've actually picked a faction and as cool as all the ships are i'm only buying scum mm -hmm. and i do have four or five of some ships because i bought them in a bundle i bought them in a set something something but it's also like cool i now have those ships i don't need to keep buying ships like you said every 
six weeks because that's about what magic releases at where with the magic cards i do have i think i'm up to 16 decks now something like that because of that exact reason of i like the deck i enjoy playing it but i need to rotate my decks probably every three months you know every every two weeks i want to have one new deck in my arsenal and kind of play that and rotate it and that's really what the podcast is i think is allowing us to do it's allowing me to get that build out of my system and play some new decks and then it's getting Russ ideas on how to build decks. And we're just kind of sharing that with the world. And I think Russ is doing what, what he's good at, which is making the deck better uh, by tinkering with it. Yeah. And I will say that like some, some people will look at your podcast and be like, well, you know, yeah, Nick sounds very technical and Russ is kind of, you know, almost like, I wouldn't say new because you've played Magic for a while and then took a huge break and got back into it, Russ. But I think you guys have a good format where it's like Nick has a very good foundation of what Commander was and is. And then you almost are educating Russ into the building aspect of it, which in therefore you're educating the listeners, right? You're saying, here's how you can build effective decks without breaking the bank. Because, you know, not everybody has a thousand bucks to spend on a deck. Right. And if you do that for one deck, you have one deck. <laughs> it's like, you know, there, there's not a lot of flexibility where, you know, your $600 in miniatures is eight different lineups. It's 12 yep. different lineups or, or infinite, depending on how you build the game. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is, I think, one of the values. And I know Russ and I kind of go back and forth on, we tend to play a lot of mini games, then we play a lot of magic games. And I think it really just is that idea of, what kind of do we feel like and where is that thrill of the the challenge so to speak so russ do you get as bored building these decks or or i mean i don't know how how dedicated you are to when you're like playing it so like with with nick's so when we when i play the decks that nick's building i spend a lot of time going through and kind of learning the cards and looking at what's working. I make notes. Uh, so, it, you know, that's really fun for me. Um, I like to break things down and figure out how they work and the changes we make. I don't necessarily want to just make changes to change the mana curve to make it play a little faster. I want to make changes that are going to be impactful or, you know, a lot of times we talk about in magic, you know, you need X number of this kind of card to get the effect in the deck. Um, and Nick talks me down from putting in one card that I think would be awesome if it ever happens. Um, so, you know, trying to learn that process of, okay, well, if I want to make this change, I need to change four things or I need to change five things in order to get this overall effect. So I don't get bored with it. Um, so, cause there's a lot going on. So, and, and I think we got a good idea of what you guys are doing with, with this podcast. And before we go into talking about kind of like what some other plans and what you guys want to do moving down the line here, I think it's important to also look at kind of like where you, where kind of like magic came from for you and kind of like what you like doing as a commander player. So, I mean, me personally, I think it's no surprise to our group that if it's something that is either chaotic or is something that has to deal with bringing shit back from the graveyard, I mean, that's definitely my play style. Like, I'm going to build decks that do something in that aspect, something that I can keep bringing stuff back or I can keep, you know, throwing random damage at people or giving cards to people that are going to cause problems. I mean, I'm all about that play style. And I don't know, it just kind of fits my personality. And I don't know, the first time I started playing Magic, I don't know if, like, that has anything to do with 
why I gravitated towards that. But I just remember back, I mean, this was like back in 1997, maybe, I don't know. But anyways, I, I, I just remember looking at some of the art and all like the evil kind of like black art, you know, you know, demon boob chicks and stuff yep, like that. Yep. I was like, man, this is like the cool stuff. And then, you know, my, uh, my dad's girlfriend burned all my magic cards. So yeah, that was great. <laughs> but um, stay with that see with that rage <laughs> yeah no kidding and it's just built up inside me uh but but russ i mean have you fallen into a play style for edh like have you figured like oh i really like this type of deck or this type of commander so you know where i started out with edh was wow i opened up all these amazing green cards so all my decks are gonna have green in them um, so I kind of started in that area, but I'm still kind of trying to figure that out. Um, yeah. you know, my, I really like the, the black, green, white combo, you know, so I, I'm kind of still, still feeling that out. When I first started in standard, I played nothing but mono black. Yeah. I was going to say, I, I definitely will say that for some reason, if there's an expensive green card, Russ has pulled it pretty much like we did the, uh, what was that random set that you and I just got some random packs and you pulled like a Oracle of Maldaya? Oh, the, um, the jump, jump start. start. Yeah. I was just like, damn Russ. Yeah. The green cards like to follow me around. I mean, you've pulled that you've pulled, uh, um, Yeah, uh, pretty much any kind of like expensive green ramp card you've pulled lately. Yeah. That's, that's just my luck. Nick pulls all the really good cards though. Yeah. Nick. So I don't know, Nick, you, I would be interested to hear what your at least preferred play style is, because I feel like with the exception of graveyard, you play a lot of other things. I haven't seen you really make a, a graveyard heavy deck, but I've seen you play about everything else. Yeah, I've done a few graveyard decks, not not my play style. Um, white and red, when I look at my list of decks, almost probably 80% have white or red in them. Those, those are the colors I like. And for some reason, even when I was playing in high school, white was the color I played. Just the idea of life gain, angels, you know, pumping your creatures, just kind of kind of that continual support. And, and I will say when I play most games, I end up being that kind of paladin type player or the or the, you know, in Warcraft, I'm a fire mage. I'm also a shaman. So it's one of those like, you know, yeah. healing people, elementals type of thing which hits heavily in white and red. And ironically, I've pulled a lot of white and red cards. I pulled, you know, like eight or nine of those Chandra incinerators and that one set. It just, <laughs> right. it's like, yeah. And there was another one, some white card, I pulled like 10 of them. Of course, they're like 40 cent cards, but it's just like, cool. I now have like eight of these cards. Yeah. But right. that's really so, kind of where my play style comes from. That's kind of interesting, Nick, because as you say that, um, in D&D, &D, I always played Rangers. In World of Warcraft, I played Hunters and Druids. So it's kind of funny that I pull green cards. It just I, I think magic leans you towards the pieces you like. And I will say, even in Malifaux, the guild and the uh, Frontier were the ones that kind of pulled me towards them, right? I look at some of the other factions, I was like, these... The Frontier was actually what pulled me in. I was like, this is, this is the faction I think I want to play. At the time, there was only one set out but since then there's been more um and that's kind of where i just end up landing a lot of the time and even with song of ice and fires the lannisters why because they have dragons um <laughs> or not because they have dragons the uh targaryens are the ones i bought for the dragons they weren't out at the time but yeah i was gonna say it, it definitely and that's the cool thing about edh and commander is that it, you you really should flex into your flavor so i mean if it's something 
I've, I've found that if it's something graveyard, I'm definitely in for it. I've also started kind of flexing towards decks where I can interact with my opponents more, whether it's making deals or kind of, you know, protecting myself by threatening people. I mean, that's just something that I, I enjoy a lot of the political shenanigans about it. And I, I definitely like to leverage that a little bit when I can. Yeah, you're definitely one of the more social folks of the group. Uh, I think that's probably why I play a lot of white because I am not very social. Um, I'm just going to kind of burn you down with red or protect my stuff with white. And <laughs> I, I, I am less interested in the politicking side of life and more interested in the, you know, playing my game. It's also why I don't play <laughs> blue, I guess. And none of us said blue, which is good. <laughs> it, it was funny, though, because we played on Monday and I, I countered one of your spells because I wanted to do something on my turn. I tell you what, man, you punished me for it. I, you took me down to like 18 life and nothing on my board. And I was, I was like, man, Nick, let up a little bit. So to be <laughs> fair, one of the things I am doing is trying to get out of my comfort zone with my more recent decks to get into that attacking, uh, you know, learning from you, getting some of that graveyard pieces out and trying to just trying to get out of my comfort zone. And honestly, that is one of the reasons why Russ and I are both doing the podcast. We're, we're both highly introverts. And the idea of talking to other people for long periods of time is something that we're just not comfortable with. Damn. And I like to do that from time to time is, you know, you and I did a podcast. That was my first one. Always wanted to do it. Um, now Russ and I are doing it. And the nice thing now is I'm doing the editing. And I was like, cool. I've always wanted to kind of figure out what it's like to be on that side of the podcast because you did the editing when we were doing it. And yeah. I think it's stretching me. And I, I know for sure it's stretching Russ. I can, you know, kind of help getting him out of his comfort level, whether he likes it or not. I'm kind of pulling him along with me. But it is something that I like to do. And that is why, one, I got into magic. But even but even before that, getting into miniatures was a big stretch for me because I had to go to a physical shop and sit there and ask talk, <laughs> talk to people. It's not, yeah. not something I do. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's made some good friends and I think magic can do that. I think means can do, that. I think just getting out in the community and being involved is, is always a good thing. Yeah. I will say it, it is interesting to watch because as a podcast, the first few episodes are dicey usually, especially the first one. I remember the first one, Chris and I did, it was, it was not good in comparison to what we do now. Um, obviously Chris isn't even really on the podcast anymore, which is right. kind of funny all by itself. But it is funny to look at you guys kind of develop as a podcast because you do see start to see Russ actually start talking more um, in, instead of Nick, you having to prod him all the time. I don't know if, if Russ, you fall asleep because you're an old man, but I'm not that old, Pete. <laughs> you're older than me. <laughs> just just a little bit. Just a little bit. Yeah. But it is good to see you come out of your shell and, and you know, at least you you ask good probing questions and you you know, try to figure out how to best move a deck forward once Nick built it, which is kind of cool to see. Yeah, it's a growing process for uh, for us all here. What are you trying to do with those decks once you get them from Nick, Russ? So basically what we what I'm trying to accomplish is to get two games a week with them um, to really get a feel for it, figure out how it works. Um, playing Killian for the first time, I was like, I don't even know what's happening here. I've never uh, worked with enchantments. So it's, it's kind of a, a get a feel for it, understand it, and then see where I want to go with it. Yeah. But are you trying, are you trying to make it like when you look at it and you're starting to tinker it, are you trying to, are you looking more for synergy or are you looking for fun cards that might make the deck more interactive? Like what are you trying to add? 
Well, what I'm trying to do is one stick to the theme that Nick's come up with. I don't. Okay. We we're not looking to alter the deck or create a new a new path for it. So what I'm trying to do is find things that are going to work a little smoother, that are going to clean up some of the edges because Nick builds really fast. Um, you know, yeah. he, you know, thirty, you know, what thirty minutes to an hour and a half. Sometimes Nick's got a, a whole brand new deck or two of them. So. Sometimes there's some there's some sharp edges that need to be filed down and just kind of smooth the process out a little bit. Um, and sometimes, you know, cards that when you first look at them are like, wow, this is going to be amazing with this commander. Or this is really going to synergize with this. And it just doesn't. It doesn't. It's a dud. Right. Like Sigarda's Aid. It looked <laughs> like it was going to do all the things and it did right. none of the things. So the funny part about that is you slam that on the table. And I already knew what Nick's deck did because I, I watched the... Um, I watched the video of him putting it together and I saw you slam down Sigarda's aid, which, you know, sucks a chair uh, uh, equipment onto right. any creature on the board without paying the cost. And I was like, I'm pretty sure Nick didn't put any equipment in there. Nope. There's not even any boots. <laughs> right. But when you're building faster, like ours and flash speed, that's awesome. Let's put it in the deck. And it's like, Oh wait, no, there's a lot that goes into flat, right? Oh, I, I've done that so many times. Right. There was one card. What was it? So it was a card that was like, you get to destroy a creature with X, how many X creatures are in your graveyard. And I put it in like a weird black spell slinger deck. I'm like, wait, there's not going to be any creatures in my graveyard. So this literally doesn't do anything. Or in my rune deck, I put in the, uh, that scourge of the fleets and i'm like oh wait i have like very little islands in this deck so this isn't going to do anything and you just until you start playing a deck like consistently like you guys said a few times to figure it out you really don't pick up those cards that are like it sounded good but it, it might be like total opposite of what you're actually doing yeah and i think that's a big reason why our podcast our decks take a month to go through right it's you see like the command zone and, and they're very good at what they do, but they play the game once and they go into it with 10 cards in 10 cards out and you know, a pre-con and they're like, cool, we're playing this once. And they probably never play those decks again. Yeah. And it's a good baseline to start from, but I'm a big fan of, you don't know how the deck's going to do because there is randomness in your shuffle. There's randomness in the draw. There's randomness in the other players playing of how is this deck going to be? Get on the table four or five times before you mess with it. And that's one reason why we tried the two weeks before I hand it over to Russ to tinker with it so that we can kind of see it in action. And then you can see it on both sides of the table, which I think is something that a lot of people don't do is what does it feel like to play against my deck? Is it mm -hmm. you know more punishing than I thought? Or is it actually you know, fun and engaging and kind of where does all that lead to? And, and that's an angle I don't see a whole lot of. A lot of it is just building decks and building cards. <laughs> no. So what I was going to ask you guys following that up is you guys build these decks. So what is your opinion or what are you doing as far as, um, I think one thing that's interesting to hear is, and it, it lets you know which way a podcast or a um, a YouTube channel is going. Uh, how many tutors do you guys throw in these decks that you're trying to build? Zero. <laughs> well, I'll say it probably depends <laughs> on the deck. Um, so I'm, I, I would probably never throw any of the expensive demonic tutors, but I, I do think like that aura deck, I think there's a couple of uh, was idyllic tutor will let you search for an aura. That might be a one kind of a one card index. I don't know that there's a single aura that's going to like win you the game or combo off in that deck. So it might be good to kind of put that in there or honestly, what probably would have been worth it 
was to like uh, I think we had talked about this, Russ, tinkering in some um, tutors on the life gain deck so you can get to your win cons because we just th- there wasn't a win con, and it's like well at some point you got to win and I'm, I'm a big fan of at some point somebody's got to win the game. And yeah. I think a tutor can help you win the game. I think putting seven tutors in to get to your two combo pieces is definitely not what we're going to be doing. That's that's not the goal of the podcast. But if you yeah. have a, you know, if I'm like, well, this is your win con, your commander plus this card, maybe a tutor or two in there can be there. I don't know, Russ, I'd be interested to hear what you have to say about that because playing against you, I don't know if I've seen you ever tutor for anything besides ramping land. I own two tutors. <laughs> uh, I have a worldly tutor and I think a demonic tutor, and I've never put them in a deck. That's fair. You're, um, you're a fair and balanced man. I mean, I considered putting them in my wizard's deck, but then I was like, nobody will like me anymore. <laughs> nobody will play with me. Well, to be fair, when I talk to you about when we when we're talk, discussing some of the topics of this deck, you're like, if I get these five cards on the table, I could win. And I was like, OK, but that's five cards. <laughs> it's like, you know, that, that's not a combo at that point. That's like, you know, getting half your deck into your hand and then on the table. Um you know, so I don't know if you can get enough tutors in there to put these combos in that you like. They're, they're really cool, but that's the kind of stuff that I talk you off the ledge off sometimes. Right. I mean, but that is kind of a fun thing for me to put in three cards that are right. going to do a thing um, that, you know, in that magical moment when all the mana symbols align and boom, it happens. Um, but yeah, like putting things in decks that don't belong there is something I have a problem with. I did like that last deck that you played, Russ. You were like, if I had one more black mana, I could have killed Pete with his own stuff. Yep, that was fun. I was I was sitting there going, please, praying for that top deck swamp. But One time. So, and I think that's definitely... I. So I agree with Nick on this point that I think if you're... I mean, obviously, if you're a more competitive person... You want consistency, which means you're going to have more tutors. But I think if you're casually playing commander, my rule of thumb is unless it fits the need of the deck, you really don't need a tutor in there. So, for example, in a lot of my graveyard decks, I I don't have tutors unless it puts it in the graveyard because I want stuff in my graveyard. Right. So that'll let me put stuff in the graveyard like wonder or anger in the graveyard. And that way I'm getting the effects I want. Uh, I'm not tutoring for a combo piece. I'm tutoring for what fits in the moment, what, what I want in my graveyard or something of the like. And that, I think that's okay in a deck. I think it goes back to what I said at the beginning. I don't want my deck to play the same every time. I want it to have flexibility. I want it to feel like a new experience, which I think if you're playing commander, that's what you want anyways. Right. And I will give this piece of advice. If you tutor for a land, show it to the table. Cause they won't believe you. Absolutely not. <laughs> I think Nick did that one time. We're like, he sure, did. Nick. He did. Sure. He did. And then we did horrible things to his board. Yeah, we're like, you did not. It's a good line. <laughs> yes. Uh, I, I remember that. I still have those tutors in that deck, too. And I think it's going to go on my rotation for next week. All right. So, a couple things I want to talk about, and then we'll start to wrap this thing up. So, first thing is let's kind of talk about I don't want to talk about your most powerful deck. I don't want to talk about, you know, anything like that. I want to know what is your favorite pet deck. So if it's just a deck that kind of does something random, maybe something that you really just enjoy, you know, what is that deck? So me going first, I'm just going to say Grenzo, the Dungeon Warden, just because I like it because people that aren't, you know, exposed to Grenzo, just maybe because they're 
you know, new or it's an older commander. I think it's from like five, six years ago. Uh, they're like, oh, what does this do? And then you explain it to them and then they start to see it play out and they're like, oh my God, what is going on? You're doing all this stuff. And it, it kind of can feel like solitaire sometimes, but you're also putting in some chaos into it. Like you start getting, you know, Teferi's puzzle box and stuff like that out there. And then people are just like, ah, oh, and you hear them groaning and it's just kind of fun to play. Um, it's not always super powerful because I, I took combo pieces out of there. I used to have Perforos in there. I took that out. Um, I had Doomsday in there. I took that out because it just started playing the same way. Um, so that kind of goes with what we were just saying. So what about you guys? I'd be interested to hear what is your pet deck or Russ, I know you've only been playing with us for about a year or so now, but what's a deck that you really enjoy? So probably my favorite deck that I definitely think you could call it a pet deck is Cathrol, the Aspect Warper. Hate that deck. <laughs> it's just, it's a lot of fun. It's different. Um, you know, trying to fill your grave graveyard to get tokens on your commander to, you know, to shell things out. I think it's really interesting. I've never yeah. seen anyone else play it. With the tokens um, too. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it's a lot of fun. I enjoy it. Nick even printed out a uh, 3D printed me tokens for that deck. So, yeah, I, I think that deck's fun, maybe more for you, but it, uh, <laughs> once you, cause once Catherine hits the table, you take all those keywords out of the graveyard and you get to disperse them however you want. And it can be really problematic when you have this giant flying death touch, lifelink, indestructible hexproof bug. And it's like, um, can anybody make him sacrifice it? I guess that's the only way to deal with it. And I usually hold a recursion card in my hand for that moment and pull yeah. the big things out of the graveyard. So yeah. And that's kind of your Abzan colors. You were saying you liked a lot too. Yep. Absolutely. All right, Nick, what about you? What's a good pet deck that you're like, oh yeah, that's that's one of my faves. So my Super Friends deck is fun. It either does absolutely nothing or it goes off like crazy and I have 10 Planeswalkers and taking like 30 turns in a row and everybody just kind of gets bored and walks away. Nick, I and thought you didn't play decks that people wanted to punch you in the face for playing. Oh, no, no. This, that's the, <laughs> the beauty with the Planeswalker deck is like I said, I'm either like, okay, I'm taking three more turns and I'm going to win. Everybody okay with that? Yeah, we're done. Okay, let's, you know, we're, we're over with this. Um, and what I like about it is it's five colors. So if I have a Planeswalker, it goes in that deck. And if I need a Planeswalker into another deck, it goes out of that deck and I put a different card in. It, it It's just my kind of like rotating. I have all these Planeswalkers sitting in my binder. Why am I not doing anything with them? It's not efficient at all. It's it plays super differently every time I play it because every planeswalker, none of them synergize with each other. And whichever one I pull is the one I'm trying to play. And that's kind of what happens. And sometimes I'm drawing cards, yeah. sometimes I'm killing creatures, sometimes I'm taking multiple turns. And yeah, when and I get omniscience on about that one. Right. Yeah. If I can get omniscience on the board, I will go off. But it, uh, but that's also a you know 10 mana value card and you know three blue pips and all this other stuff has to kind of hit so unless i chaos warp it onto the board for him yep. right that that has happened a few <laughs> times but to be fair i'll say if any deck gets omniscience on the board they're probably going to win um it's just yeah. like that kind of card I, I think my favorite finisher that you used with that one is i think you i don't know if you still do but there was a point where you had the war of the spark sarkin in there that turns all planeswalkers into dragons yes and i just yeah, and I just remember one time you had like six to eight planeswalkers and it was just all of a sudden just dragons. And I'm just, it wasn't good. It was not good. 
<laughs> it's fun. I, I mean, why would a Planeswalker deck win with dragons? Because <laughs> that's that's what the cards drew me that game. <laughs> it's like, wait, and then if I attack these Planeswalkers, I take damage from all these dragons. It makes no sense. Oh, man, good times. Uh, so, yeah, pet decks, love them. You got to have them. That's the one where it's like, you know, I, I want to have a good time. Let's bust it out. Right. So let's kind of look at moving towards the future of your podcast here. So you guys are starting this thing up. Where do you want to go with it? What are you looking to do? What are some goals and ambitions that you guys have with this thing? <laughs> sure. So, um, you know, the goal for me is to become a better builder, to become a better magic player, um, and to hopefully help some other people out along the way. Um, because so many of the podcasts you get in, you listen to them, they're an hour, they're an hour and a half. Um, you know, it's layers of stats or it's layers of card reading. Um, we kind of fell into the card reading trap. We're working out of it. Um, but you know, there's, there's so much content out there for magic. We want to make content that's accessible to, you know, the average players, to new players, to people that want to, you know, just to learn how to build better. So Russ, how, how long are your episodes generally? We're, I think, uh, what we're between 18 and about 22 minutes on the average. Okay. Right. Trying to shoot for about that 20 minute mark. Well, you know, and if you're looking to build a deck and if you're looking at, you know, getting ideas, you don't want to listen to something for like an hour and a half. I mean, there's times where I want to listen to the command zone talk about like they had a new episode that came out about, you know, part one of new cards from blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, okay, I don't really want to really watch this for like an hour and a half, you know? Right. So I do like that you guys are keeping it kind of on the shorter end. I think, uh, you know, 20 to 30 minute episode is really good. Uh, what about you, Nick? What are some goals that you have either personally or for the podcast? Yeah. So for the podcast, it's definitely growing it. And I think finding that groove, I think that 20 minute mark is going to be the, the ideal time of talk about the strategy, talk about some cards, not read them in depth, but give you ideas to build that deck and play. Cause I try to say it many times on the podcast that playing a game is really more that matters. You can easily listen to 30 hours of content a week and play two. You know, does, does that make you better? I don't know, but you're not playing. The other pieces, YouTube content, streaming, those type of things, I'm starting to put up the videos of the deck building. I did an hour and a half one picking cards out of 100, you know, 200 cards down to 100. Didn't get a lot of views, probably because an hour and a half is a very long time to watch a video, as you just said. The most recent one, was about 15 minutes. I already had the deck built. I had them in sections and I said, these are the creatures. I picked this set are here because these do this, these do this. I put these here because I like them. And within, you know, a day there was like 50 views on the, on the video. And I was like, cool. That's because why? Cause it's a 15 minute video on one thing and it's kind of yeah. narrow to the point and, and kind of finding that groove and figuring out how to do it. Plus being a tech guy, I get to play with all the technology around it. I'm, you know, which camera works best? What software do I use? How do I tweak yep. it? Do I edit or not? How do I put all that together? And it gives me, if I don't have a reason to do something, I typically won't do it. And this gives me a reason to mess with the software, mess with the camera. So a little bit personal. Um, and if we teach something along the way, great. If people hate the content, you know, I learned something and that's, and that's, that that's good enough for me is to and kind of put it out there. And worst case scenario, Nick and I got to have another conversation this week. Right. <laughs> well, and I will say, because I'm, I'm, I'm very, I mean, obviously you guys are friends, but if your content sucked, I wouldn't have you on the podcast, but, um, <laughs> you know, I've, I've listened to all the episodes I've watched the streams and, and the deck building. And I, I definitely like the content. You guys have a good kind of 
you're starting to get a good cadence. You're starting to put out good content, putting different content out. And I think that's something that I always recommend to people that are putting out content is I'm like, you need to find something that's different that a lot of people aren't doing. And with EDH, that's challenging because there's so much. But I think you guys are definitely on the right track of finding your groove and then just improving and tweaking with every episode, which which is great and fantastic because um, I think once the EDH community and the magic community kind of figures out what you guys are doing and you keep improving it, I think you guys will get, you know, dozens of listeners, if you will, you know. Right. Dozens. Well, and I, I will say one of the other things that I look at all these because I've pushed myself to follow these you know, content creators. And it's like, wow, these guys do it full time, but they're also, you know, 24, they're, they're 26. Yeah. They, you know, all three of us have families to support. We all have day jobs. So everything we're doing here is, that's why we're recording at, you know, 1030 at night, because it's yeah. like, it's a time we have, yeah. uh, you know, and I don't think any of us expect these things to take off and, and, you know, become a full-time job. If somehow it magically did, I think we'd all take it probably in a heartbeat. Uh, but I don't know that it ever will. And I think for that reason alone, we're, we're in it for the passion and the care and not just for, you know, everything else. And that's why I think, you know, your fan base, I think is a very strong fan base and, and they follow you because they like you guys, not, not just because, you know, you're, you're got 2 million views on Twitch or YouTube or something. something <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. Well, you know, that's the thing you have to find people that want to listen to what you're saying. And I mean, we jumped from Guild Ball to Malifaux, I mean, within the span of six months, pretty hard. And I mean, we kept some of the Guild Ball people, but honestly, we get got a bunch of people also from just Malifaux that they enjoy the game, they enjoy our content. And I think that that that's kind of why I, kn- I know a bunch of my listeners play Commander. I've talked with actually people in the discord and people privately about commander just saying, yeah, check this card out. Or, you know, I put a, you know, magic meme up or something. And I, I would say if, and obviously it's a little later in the podcast and those people aren't probably listening, but if you know somebody who's a nerd and they play tabletop games and they haven't played magic for some reason, commander is the perfect way to get people at least into the entertaining and fun part of magic. Not the other nonsense that I stay away from. Well, you don't you don't want to play uh, modern, um, competitive <laughs> modern. <laughs> no, no. Oh, Somebody, come on, Pete. <laughs> I forget who. Somebody asked me like, "Oh, you don't want to play modern?" I was like, yeah, "No, God, I like money. I already give <laughs> right. I already give a lot to my hobbies. I don't need to give more." Right. Oh man. Yeah. So that's kind of one of the things is just uh, yeah. I think you guys are finding a good cadence. I think you guys are going to, you know, start picking up some followers. I mean, even even this podcast, we don't have a ton of followers. I mean, I, I mock dozens, but, you know, any anywhere from like three to four hundred downloads is perfectly fine with me. I don't need a million followers. I do this because, you know, enough people enjoy it and I like putting out different content. That's all it is. Just things that are going to entertain people. Absolutely. And it's super entertaining 99.2% of the time. <laughs> How did you come up with that number? I'm completely off the top of my head. He's a numbers guy. What do you expect? I mean, I am an accountant. There that is go. fair. All right. So we got kind of what you guys do. We got some of the background. Why don't you guys tell us where we can find you and your content on the old internets? Sure. So you can find uh, us on Twitter at MTG Bill Tinker. We couldn't get build and tinker because it was too long. So MTG build tinker 
And we are, you can search MTG Build and Tinker on any of the podcast apps and stores, and you will probably find us. If not, let us know because we can definitely try to get it submitted there. But we should have all the major bases covered. Are you guys uh, on Apple? Uh, we are on Apple. We're on yeah. Google um, and Pod- Podbean's, the where we host it. And from there, I think it's published to most other places. I think Spotify is out there. So um, if you can't find it, let us know. We can try to figure out what's up with that. But I've checked yeah, all the major ones. Say, I, I, I use Google Podcasts and you guys popped right up when I looked towards it. Awesome. So shouldn't be a problem. We are also the first search on Google results now, which is pretty cool to see. Because it used to be some deck called Tinker Tinker Deck or something, something. So that's fun. Well, that is kind of the funny thing. Like once you start putting out enough content, like if you if you just put in Rage Quit, not even Rage Quit Wires, sometimes you just got to scroll like maybe down a couple of clicks and you'll see Rage Quit Wires stuff, which is kind of funny. That's awesome. Yeah. All right. What about you, Russ? Is there anywhere people can find you and uh, chat at you? Yeah, I'm on Twitter at Virus25. It's V-Y-R-U-S-S 25. Yeah, and I will say that, I mean, you guys are obviously doing this uh, magic stuff, but I know both of you are super nerds. Uh, I mean, anything mm-hmm. comic books, I know Nick will chat your ears off about. Uh, Russ also enjoys a little bit of that. But Russ, you're, I think you're more like, uh, you start talking about like Star Wars and some mini stuff, like you're all about that stuff too. Yeah, I can identify all the ships <laughs> <laughs> and all the characters and yeah, have right. a problem. <laughs> I mean, we all do, but that's why we like hanging out with each other. That's what I use Russ for. Russ, what ship is this? Oh, that's that one. Okay, thank you. <laughs> Be my cheat sheet. I can't figure out all the stupid... So just a side note with X-Wing here. I can't figure out all those stupid separatist ships. Like I started watching the Clone Wars and I'm just... I, I like they are, They're all just robots. I don't know how to tell them apart. Yeah, they're a little difficult because a lot of them have kind of a very similar uh, build. But yeah. that took a little bit of learning. <laughs> but Russ knows it. Yeah, pretty much. All right, guys. Any last minute thoughts or anything you want to say before we roll on up out of here? Um, just thank you for having us on. Really yes. appreciate that. Yep, I'll echo that. Thanks for having us on, and uh, thanks for any listeners who are still listening. And you know, drop us a line if you want to get in touch with us. Yeah, and make sure you guys check their stuff out. Definitely, I, I like I said when you look at the first few episodes of a podcast or a YouTube channel. And you always know that's going to be the roughest, you know, starting point. And you're like, you know, that was actually pretty good. And you know that it's going to start finding a good cadence and start picking up and putting out really good stuff. And that's definitely where you guys are heading. So make sure that you guys check them out. Check us out on all the social media. Don't forget, if you want to join our Discord and start chatting. I even got an EDH channel up on the Rage Quit Wire Discord. So don't be afraid to start chatting up EDH on there if y'all are interested. But I think with that being said, we're going to go ahead and flip cards and flip tables, and we will see everybody next time.